0: Hello, and welcome to the Clockwork Aranya podcast, the podcast all about the Dutch national team. In today's episode, we're going to be discussing the side's first three matches of 2021, and it's fair to say that it was a mixed start to the year, with De Boer's side following up a 4 2 defeat to Turkey, with a 2 0 win against Latvia, and a 7 0 win against Gibraltar. I'm your host, Finley Krebolded, the guy behind Clockwork Aranya, and joining me, as usual, is Dutch football journalist Peter McVitie. Well, first things first, Peter, how's it going?
1: Not too bad, not too bad. How are you?
0: Yeah, yeah. It could be worse. Could be worse. You uh, you enjoy international football, the beauty of the Dutch team being back on your TV screen.
1: Ah, uh, yeah. It's like uh, it's like I'm living in
0: 1974.
1: <laughs> Phenomenal.
0: Uh, yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> let's just dive straight into it. Um, first up uh, of the, I mean. Well, first of all, you know, in the last episode, I think it's fair to say we ended it on a pretty positive pretty positive and optimistic note, you know. Um, I think, you know, the, the De Boer matches at the end of 2020, we looked pretty good. You know, things are starting to go in the right direction. Um, and then, yeah, the Turkey match came along, and that is just kind of all changed now, I think. So, yeah, let's start off with that, obviously. 4-2 defeat um, to a team that... A good side, I guess, but the side we should really be beating. Um, Yeah, what did you make of the match? Uh, Yeah, it was dire. It was, uh, well, from an
1: Ireland's point of view, it was dire. At least it was exciting for a neutral, I guess, in some respect. But um, just surprised at how much of a slow start Netherlands got off to. Uh, They were just really sloppy midfield again like the old days the pre-Couman days sort of overrun a bit easily defensively just really shaky and an attack a bit bereft of ideas it wasn't until the, like the last 15 minutes or so that they actually kicked into gear Um yeah and for each goal they were just well for the first three goals they were like just really sloppy and, and strange, not putting any pressure on the ball as, as Turkey boss forward and, and yeah, Turkey had a bit of luck maybe with the deflection from the first goal, but um, still not not good defending the second one. They worked it in from the wing to win a penalty, but you had uh, Daley Blind and Frankie de Jong occupied out the wing and Owen Vindal was just sort of standing there in the, in the space in the middle of nowhere with us leaving just this big gap for Turkey to work it into and that's what they did to and, and won the penalty together. And yeah, even uh, Charles Hanoglu's goal for the third, he's just standing in nowhere. Again, they weren't putting any pressure on the ball in the build-up. They work it out to him and he's just got loads of space and all the time he needs to to line up the shot and, and and score. And it wasn't until after that that, that the Netherlands actually started to show any fight. Uh, so it was, yeah, it was really worrying. I was, before it, a bit more optimistic. I was actually, even when they they conceded the first goal, I thought they might be able to get some balance and, and fight their way back into it. But, um, yeah, it just... <laughs> It was not a good performance, and uh, they weren't. They were. They didn't really get into into the game until it was already until it was already done, basically.
0: Yeah, it was. I remember two 0 no down at halftime. I was thinking, God, this is awful. I just went to cook dinner, and then I literally timed it so that I got back in front of the TV for the second half. And about thirty seconds in, I'd already missed another goal. And I uh, <laughs> oh, just like, oh God. I mean, what do you think? What do you think went wrong, Main? Do you think De, De Boer's, um starting eleven, the selections he made? Not,
1: not overall. I mean, Deron was a bit of a strange one because I I like Deron actually. I, I think he's a bit underappreciated, but he didn't really fit into the midfield in this sense. In this game, it was a bit of a midfield was a bit of a mismatch. Uh, they went for the back line that we expected. Uh, and even for the wingers and the attack that we we sort of mentioned in the in the previous podcast so yeah i mean apart from the he sort of picked the players that <laughs> that i expected other than Sticklenburg, i guess but uh so yeah it was it was not so much the actual fo- uh team or formation it was just that they they just seemed so, so out of place in so many ways. A lot of players didn't seem to really know what to be doing. Like I said, with Weindahl and the build-up to the penalty, he was just completely unaware of the fact that he was a wasted man in that, in that scenario. And there were a few occasions like that where there were players just sort of not really up to the speed of it, not really um, thinking, basically, um, not motivated, maybe.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think this was... You know, before, in, in the last episode, I was fairly um, optimistic is not the word. I wasn't too concerned about Van Dijk being out, you know, because I thought we still have De Ligt, we still have De Vrij. Blim can do a job there. I wasn't too worried, but uh, this match completely changed my opinion on that. I think <laughs> we we missed him so much. Not just like, I mean, obviously, from a footballing perspective, he was, but he's by far the best defender we have uh, in, you know... I I imagine that things would have been a bit more solid with him, but I think mainly just for his kind of leadership and his organisation. Um, yeah,
1: yeah, he's got like he's got just so much to him that he, as I, said, as I said before, he like he's there for the left. I mean, everybody likes the left, obviously, but he still has some weaknesses, some uh, sort of moments where he shows like a lack of discipline. And Van Dijk is just the, the behemoth that rescues everybody to an extent. And that was sort of evident also like, against Latvia and stuff as well. So, yeah, I mean, that is obviously the, the big concern. We were hoping that uh, at least the Vry can make an appearance <laughs> at the Euros. But, um, yeah, and uh, having Van Dijk missing is, is just such a, such a pain.
0: Yeah, I, I think it's strange, though, because it did look like we really did. In the Turkey game in particular, missed that kind of leadership at the back. But I mean, theoretically, it should still be there. You've got delicte who was was captain at Ajax. Daily Blind's pretty experienced himself. But yeah, they didn't really seem to organise the defence at all. I mean, like you said, Owen Vindel, for example, he's he was out of position, but he's he's an experienced player. You know, it should really fall on the shoulders of of blind and Delikt to kind of you know. Organise things, make sure he's in the right place. But I mean, there was just no sign of that, really, was there?
1: Yeah, and also no real connection with the midfield that they weren't really being protected at all, which is the problem with the, with the he's he has like an actual designated sort of um, anchor, I guess, in the midfield, and he's just him and De Jong just didn't really add anything. To the didn't really protect that backline at all, we weren't really fitting into the space as much. Um, and so it was just like they were all just a bit disconnected, the whole team really. Um, and yeah, just missing that that um mix that uh, the way they that we'd seen a bit under Coopman, where they were there was a proper like unit in the team.
0: Yeah, um, looking at the lineup and other, other things to talk about, I think Kenny Tete, obviously, he got his first game in a long time, probably three or four years, I'm guessing, uh, starting ahead of Dumfries. What did you make of that?
1: Um, yeah, it was okay. You could see that he does offer like, some. The defensive presence, the difference with him and Dumfries is that Dumfries is like really just always going forward and always opening up spaces ahead. Um, yeah, it was a difficult one really to judge Kenny Tater's performance for me because, yeah, he has been out for so long and there was just such a strange um, uncertainty in that back line, but um, it was a bit of a Weak performance at times, but I would like to see him get get tried a bit more because what we then did see at Dumfries, yeah, he can he does have some presence in attack, but I'm still not convinced of him as being the the right right, right the, the uh, correct right back. To be honest with you, what did you think, uh, Kenny Boy?
0: Yeah, like you said, defensively, he's, you know, I don't think there's any issues there. He's solid. Um, Going forward, I didn't think he was great. But then, like you said, uh, I'll go into it in a second. But in the next two games, Dumfries was by no means great himself going forward. Um, So, yeah, I I think you can't really judge him from in a match where the team was collectively so bad, um, to be honest. I, I don't think he did anything to like, you know, get himself out of De Boer's plans. Um, I think he'll probably be in the next squad. So, yeah, um, I think it's a bit of a shame that he didn't get more of a chance. Um, but, yeah. Um, well, moving on to the next game, and De Boer's brilliant logic was that the two players he brought on against Turkey that scored, he thought, well, they must be awesome players, it turns out, so I'm just going to start them in the next match. <laughs> um so you did. They, they, they came in against Latvia. Um, yeah, like we said, Dumfries came in for Tete. And yeah, that were the only changes. So yeah, Luke de Jong for Malin, Claassen for De Rune and Dumfries for Tete. And I mean, this was just an absolute masterclass in poor finishing, I think, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, they, they just had like 36 shots in this game. Um, yeah, I mean, you expected a bigger win, I think, but um, uh, I think the playing Luke De Jong against a team like this sort of did make sense. Uh, at least uh, open things up for the pie to um, have a bit more space in the in the wing and, and have a lot more to to blend in with, really, and have an actual they had like an actual target man to to. To, to play with but um, they, again they still had those sloppy defensive moments uh, uh, a moment in the second half where uh, they were just going straight through basically and the own had to burst in and uh, had to rush back and, and, and take the ball um, yeah some sort of strange moments but at least brighter than, than Turkey, as we expected and as we hoped for. But um, there's still just like a, a lack of real... Um, of a real attacking game plan, I think, at times. I think they are still a bit too static in some regards. Um, they, yeah, i say a master Classic to a finish, and even the goals themselves were kind of... Really, uh, <laughs> so... Um, yeah, it was it was a strange one. It was one of those ones that you were just sort of relieved that they actually won. I think and didn't embarrass themselves, which is an indictment on this team and the board.
0: Yeah, I mean we created in total seven clear cut chances, so you know that's seven chances that should have been goals, um, yeah. and we scored two of them. I think Davy Clarsen, in particular missed missed a lot of chances, um, which is a yeah. surprise because for Ajax, he's so clinical at the moment this season, you know, he doesn't yeah. really miss yes. chances.
1: His goal against Turkey was, was quality as well. I mean, that was just a lovely touch and Tom, uh, and, and yeah, it was, it was quality, but yeah, I mean, Berghuis did the, did the Arjen Robin trick, which is pretty cool to see. <laughs> uh, yeah, they were just so, so sloppy, even Memphis, obviously, and, um, and De Jong were kind of uh, a bit wasteful as well.
0: Yeah, like you said, even the goals were, I mean, one goal was a bit of you know, a bit of magic from Berghaus, just a long shot. And then the other was from a corner. A Luke De Jong header. I mean, there was no kind of, you know, nice attacking sequences or anything to, to get through the, the Latvia defence. Um, it was just kind of individual moments. So, yeah, I think that's a big concern as well. And it's good that we created like seven big chances, but the finishing was a real cause for concern. Um, and then the Gibraltar game, I mean, the first half was even worse than the Latvia game. I, mean, <laughs> I, I i tweeted at the time from the clockwork around your account that this was maybe the worst I'd ever seen us play. And I mean, you know, I lived through the Danny Blind years. So <laughs> that's a big statement. But i I wasn't even exaggerating. I mean, it was just, that first half was just something else, wasn't
1: it? Yeah, it was astounding. It was just horrifying. Um, I mean, you're up against a team with offers no threat, and you're playing them like they are like, an actual like like it's Turkey or something. It was um, it was shocking. It was just amazing. I mean, there was like some luck on Gibraltar's side to an extent that uh, they they managed to keep a clean sheet in the first half, but um or well up until the end of it, but um it was just astounding. Now there was a point before the, the first goal, in fact even even into the second half a bit where I was just like, you know what, um maybe it would be kind of cool if Gibraltar actually did pull something off here and got her, got her, <laughs> or, or, or did something because. I just thought I was just like so fed up with it, and I was like, the Netherlands just they deserve to be punished in some in some <laughs> respect, and it seems like a golden chance for Gibraltar to actually do something. As unlikely as it as it seemed, considering I don't think they even had a shot in the in the ninety minutes. But um, yeah, just unbelievable, unbelievable how bad it was.
0: Yeah, it was. I mean, that's a side Gibraltar that would be. I if you put them in England, they're probably, you know, League 2 or something. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I mean, it was just unbelievable. There was no kind of threat, no good football whatsoever. Um, and then in the second half, I mean, obviously we ended up getting four goals in eight minutes and things couldn't have looked more different. Um, I mean, I think De Boer does deserve some credit for the subs. Um, Gravenberch came on for Dumfries, which was a not, not, not a, a substitution I would have kind of predicted or tried, but it actually worked out really well. And then the big one that changed it was Donnyo malin came on for Daily Blind. Um, Frankie De Young went uh, back into defence alongside De Ligt, and I mean, that just completely changed the game. you Which again, he deserves credit for. You know, he could have easily brought on another defender for Blind, but yeah, I think the only concern is that it, it took an injury to Daily Blind for him to actually change something radically.
1: Yeah, exactly, I mean, and that was what they were missing, they needed something to actually take the the impetus and give them an all-out attack sort of feel, because what was the point in not being just uh, using that dominance, that, that natural uh, advantage that you have just in the, in the quality of players that you've got, I mean, why set out with with such a a, a standard uh, back four and 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 not really use the attacking power of the of the midfield that you've got uh, and just I mean that was like the one of the key principles of the Boers' first uh, three years at Ajax was really pushing up and playing the game in the opposition's half and 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 picking out holes and and getting some movement going in in the team and getting them changing. Uh, changing around and there was just nothing of that and yeah upsetting the that rhythm I guess and, and bringing on those uh, making those subs like I thought was a, was a really good one to bring on and yeah Marlon for blending and, and to be fair to him that was something in the Turkey game that I quite liked as well the changes that he made like bringing on De Jong for Derong, uh bringing on Klassen for, for Daniel Marlin just a way to reshape the team a bit, um, give the midfield a bit a bit more um, a bit more of a, a direction I guess uh, instead of just leaving them as a, a, a sort of disconnected group. Um, and yeah, the those, those changes sort of tied things together a bit more. And so yeah, that was the one the one positive. And and yeah, as you sort of say, it was kind of unexpected because the Boer has been for so long, just sort of arrogant and the type of guy who just doesn't change his, his game plan at all throughout the throughout the 90 minutes. It's be it was a pretty big factor uh, in the last couple of years at Ajax and, and had been for the rest of his career where it's just um it's one one strategy for the 90 minutes uh, and the only real change would be like in in these instances, would be like sticking the left up front for the last ten minutes to try and get a goal, like yeah. he did, with, uh, like he did with Vander at Ajax, and stuff, you know. Um, just steps just really standard, uh, pointless. Uh, get the ball in a box and hope for the best, which sums up a lot of his well philosophy for the last few years. Uh, yeah, at least he did have some. Imagination and and that sort of think Yeah, right. Let's let's change the shape and in, in the in the way we're going here. So yeah, the second half was a, a lot brighter and a lot more interesting. But the problem with uh, with these games was just how just how slow they were to get going. How they didn't really kick into gear until pretty late. It was quite worrying.
0: Yeah, yeah. It, it is you know the second half, six goals in one half. I did and i to be i probably would have taken a 7-0 win before before the match but it's just you know it's just worrying that the, the his plan a De Boer's plan a was just so bad to the mm-hmm. to the extent that we struggled to break down a Gibraltar defense you know
1: Exactly, and that was uh, i mean for me it was, i was i'm never really worried about how many goals they score it was something i guess but yeah just in the manner of it you you expect such a much more Confident um, and like professional, sort of uh, way of going about the first half. I mean, let's be realistic. Uh, That's something that that game should have been over and done with by by the first half, by the first 30 minutes, maybe. And yeah, I was sitting thinking, hey, let's go Gibraltar here, come on. (laughs) So, yeah, it's just the the manner of it is, is just so depressing sometimes.
0: Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. M- moving on to takeaways from these three games. I mean, I think if you, starting a bit further back, um, one of the most interesting things, like we mentioned, was was Gravenberg coming on for Dumfries and playing a sort of. Uh, it's hard to say what kind of role it was because I think in the in, in the second half it was literally just Dillard as a defender and everyone else throwing themselves forward. But um, even so, Gravenberg did look really good. Um, in that position he played kind of on the right side of defence. Uh, it is only against Gibraltar though, so do you think that that's, you know, there's much to take from that performance to think he could, you know, maybe do a job against bigger teams?
1: Yeah, I'm convinced of, of Ravenberg's quality. I think he is a really, really good player. I don't think you would want him to be like your, your right wing back really against uh, the other team, but I think he he deserves to be in this squad. Um I hope he does get more chances. Um, I think he could actually be a, a decent fit for the midfield in games that they expect to dominate and, and ones that they they are confident they can they can uh, really take charge of. So yeah, um I'm hoping that De Boer has, has a, a new a new confidence in him. Uh so it's just about where he's gonna play and, and and that midfield. I mean, as I say, I don't expect him to be a full back, so who misses out and who and how he changes it around is 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 up to the boer, which um yeah, hopefully he actually can find a place for him.
0: Yeah, yeah, he definitely deserves it after that performance. And I think that is one thing to give De Boer some credit for, to be fair, is that he has actually seen... He seemed even a bit more willing than, than Ronald Koeman to give young players a chance, in my opinion. Um, obviously, Graven Murchie came on at halftime. Um, Malin started one game and then came on against Gibraltar. Um Owen Vindel, um, I mean, he's, he's nailed that, that left-back position his now, isn't it, going forward? I mean, he's, he's nailed down to start for the Euros.
1: Yeah, it's got to be, man. He's, he's got to be, he's just, he offers everything they need, really. Um, he's just, I like him. He's, he's so useful going forward. Uh, it's not just like, as a, an attacking fullback, just like all out bombing and getting the ball forward. He's actually intelligent in his use of the ball um, and so quick, can get back and and help and do his job defensively as well. I don't have any worries about him. I think yeah, he, he definitely deserves to to be there. Um, it's going to be a big year for him because I think he wants to leave as or at least is is open to it uh, and going for a bigger team. So it's a, a, a strong performance from him at the Euros would be would be massive. So he's definitely definitely motivated at least. Uh, so yeah, he's it's got to be him.
0: Yeah, I mean I, I think. The difference between him and Dumfries against Latvia and Gibraltar was night and day, you know. Um Dumfries got himself into really good positions. You know, he did look a real threat, but in terms of that final ball, he just didn't have it. Um he might have just been having a few off days, to be fair. I mean Yeah,
1: but that is like a kind of criticism of him. He has like he has like the the strength and the ability to get forward and, and I mean really get to the to the byline and, and look for a way in and he looks good in the area divisive for it, but even then he still has some moments that are it's just, he doesn't have just that um, finesse to pick out the right final ball and again, sometimes get caught, gets caught out uh, at the back and leaves him exposed. So, yeah, that's, that's a, a sort of tendency of his.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, in terms of all the misses over the, the three games, I think he he takes the award for the worst miss uh, with that header against Gibraltar, which he just <laughs> <laughs> remarkably put wide. I'm not sure how he managed it. But yeah, that's we'll, we'll get onto that in a second, you know, the kind of changes for the Euros, but right back's definitely a, a bit of a concern I think. Um, looking at centre-backs, I mean, left, I think was pretty solid again. I think he definitely looks a different player alongside Van Dijk though. But yeah, yeah I think he's definitely going to stand I'm not too worried about that um daily blind was it's a weird one because for ajax he when he plays at the back he kind of he takes the ball out of defense and he makes such good passes um but in these games he just didn't have anything in front of him really to find with those passes i mean the amount of times he'd pick up the ball look to do something ambitious and then think oh there's no options i'll just go to de lift it was I mean, I think that says it all about the difference between Ajax and Holland at the moment, for one. Uh,
1: Yeah, I agree with you completely. I mean, you can see that there's actually a style uh, that he fits into Ajax, whereas um, in Netherlands, there just isn't the same movement. And defensively, just uh, uh, because there's that lack of his build-up, that um, there's no real benefit to him because defensively, he's just so sloppy, I guess. And... uh, and in the air of the base, he, he has just like so much more space to really get, uh, to pick out his passes and, and he's got a, a sort of extra pace to him that he's that, that he's had since he returned from Manchester United that gives him something extra against everybody else. And in a national team, it just doesn't shine through it the same uh, way, so yeah, he, it's Going to the Euros with him at the centre of the defence just seems like a, a, a recipe for for disaster. But yeah, we'll see. Uh, I think the the injury was kind of worrying. You could see right away as soon as he went down that there was something dodgy about that landing. It just didn't didn't feel right at all.
0: No, I think it was his ankle in the end that he yeah. fell on, and yeah, it, it did look pretty bad. Um... Yeah, I really hope that he is fit because I probably wouldn't start him at the Euros, but I think he's he's versatile, you know. He's a good player to have in the squad for that. He is one of the leaders of the team. I mean, he is the most experienced player in our current squad in terms of caps. Um, so, yeah, I, I would like I say I wouldn't start him, but hopefully he gets back in shape. Um, but, yeah, in terms of that back four, I think De Ligt and Weindel are kind of shooting, and then you'd think De Vrij would be as well in there unless yeah. Van Dijk makes a miraculous recovery
1: yeah, yeah, um, yeah that, would, that would be ideal the, when it comes to right back yeah, you'd probably go with Kenny Tate as we said last time uh, it would be nice to see Karlsdorf getting a shout uh, because he's just such a, a beast and would offer something extra as well so um, there are other options beyond that uh, I guess but
0: yeah, I, mean, I think the team's calling out for Dog, to be honest. Um, when we got Dumfries in those kind of positions where he's got everything but the final ball, you just think if you had up in those positions, I think we'd be so much more dangerous. Um, so, yeah, that's that's one of the changes I hope to see most. Um, going on to the midfield, that was, I mean, I think this is the biggest problem. And it, to be fair, it was a problem under Koeman as well in that, we just still haven't decided on what our best midfield three is, you know, in terms of personnel. Uh, I think Frankie de Jong and Aldum are definitely going to be in there. But where do they play? Who do they play with? I mean, after the first game, he seemed to settle on Aldum and Frankie playing behind Klassen, which, yeah, I mean, what did you make of that? Obviously, Klassen got himself in good positions, but his finishing was, yeah, worrying to say the least.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it, I think it's it makes sense because it's where you get the best out of class in himself. Um, he, he is, it gives him the the space to like make these just sort of subtle runs into the box and and really get in amongst the the, the front three and sort of yeah you know, feed off taking chances or create some. And yeah, he's always his numbers at Ajax have been have been growing. At times, he does have some sort of wasteful performances, but I think it's if you're determined to get class in into the midfield, then uh, I think it's probably the right way to go because then you get Frenaldum and Dieng who have a who can yeah, really sort of take control and, and offer some support and uh, further and also obviously press ahead themselves.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say as well. In the last episode we spoke about how we thought um it was probably gonna be Classen and Frankie De Jong playing behind Van Alden. Um because that's what we saw in the last matches. Um and obviously that's swapped round round uh, swapped round now. And I think it is a lot better actually. Especially, you know, I think Van Adam's a lot more dynamic than Classen playing a bit further back, you know, he's uh quicker physically a bit better, I think. And, yeah, like you said, it's definitely the best position for Klassen as well. So, yeah, I think Frankie and Vinaldum is a, is a midfield two works. Um, just that number 10 position is still a bit up for grabs, I'd say. Um, Donny van der Beek, do you think he's in with the chance? Obviously, he hasn't been playing at all for United, but to be fair to him, he did come on against Gibraltar and score with one of his first touches.
1: Yeah, yeah, but I don't think that there's anything much that he offers that classing doesn't already do uh and classing is a bit more reliable and a bit more consistent um yeah i just the yeah again like i said the last time it's sort of it's a shame that there isn't a more a more creative sort of number 10 that you that you can throw in there just to have a designated creator and so you're left with these sort of Halfway sort of players like Claassen and and yeah. Van der Beek can help make chances, but they're not the ones who are going to be springing off these quality passes and and uh, and pulling off something magnificent. That sort of is more directed towards the towards the wings, really. Especially when you've got the pie on the left and and Dion up front, and also with uh, Van uh pushing forward. That's one thing that he does. He's not just like and overlap and get the ball on across. He's he actually does pick out some pretty sharp passes from moderately high up. So yeah, it's just it's a shame that there isn't some uh, there isn't that creative player there to hack him here to uh, yeah, complete the complete the jig, I guess.
0: Yeah, uh, funny enough, I think the best number ten that we had over the three games was probably Memphis Depay when he you know he when Marlon came on. Memphis moved in the middle against. Against Gibraltar. And yeah, like he, he did, like you mentioned give us that kind of playmaker further forward that we do need. But I wouldn't want him there against decent teams, to be honest. I don't think he's gonna do much defensively, is he? So um yeah. I mean and you
1: kinda want him you kinda want him as a striker against bigger teams, wouldn't you? He? he just seems uh so that's when he sort of does also bring players into the into the attack around them and, and, and uh, also doesn't leave them as as exposed, as you, as you say.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, looking at the wingers, I think with Memphis, the big takeaway is that obviously we all want him as a striker and that he worked so well there against Koeman. But I think against smaller teams, he probably is more effective um, playing a bit deeper on the wing, isn't he?
1: Yeah, yeah, I think so. And yeah, and that's the, where someone like De Jong does come in, they offer that aerial presence and and just something to to change it about a bit. Uh, I mean, as we said, Verclas would have been a, a really good fit for it as well. But uh, yeah, I think that's that's better against. Um, maybe it will be the right setup for uh, like the Macedonia game in the Euros. Um, I don't know about Austria and Ukraine. It's so difficult one but yeah against uh, those sort of teams uh, you can really keep the pressure on the, the opposition back line and, and be unpredictable uh, against them uh, with Memphis having just all of that space to work with and and being able to uh, use his his arsenal I guess. It also goes back to the Memphis PS, PSV days where he could just shoot from nowhere and have a lot of fun. <laughs>
0: Other side, I mean Berghaus, He's made that right wing his own now, hasn't he? I think he he got two goals and two assists. I think in the three games that he started, and generally looked looked one of our better players. Apart from a, apart from a pretty poor first half against Gibraltar.
1: Yeah, and it's nice to see. I mean, he's been the absolute king at flying order. have had a lot of. I'd always had a lot of love for, for Berghaus. I loved him at AZ. Uh was sad for him when it didn't work out in the in the Premier League. But ever since he came back, he's been he has been a, a quality player and it's nice to see him get that uh recognition now and also used like that, used properly. Be able to cut in and, and use what he's got. So yeah, he deserves it. He's been he's been quality and it's nice to see it working.
0: And, yeah, yeah, definitely. I think uh yeah, I think he's definitely secured that spot over over Calvin Stengs or Stephen Bergwine, for example, for the Euros. Which is, yeah, I think that's fair enough. Um, Stengs, yeah, didn't really get much of a chance. I wouldn't actually mind him being given a go. Is is the number ten? Uh, he's obviously played there a bit for AZ. Maybe got a bit more yeah. of an eye for a pass.
1: Yeah, that's a good uh, that's a good shout um, because he's he's an obviously quality player. Uh, He's just, he's a lot of fun to see and yeah, he's, he's been there, he's got, he adds that creativity and he's, he's a sort of brave, uh, player in that regard, uh, so people had, uh, the board and didn't consider it, I think, uh, actually, because it would have been interesting to see it, would have maybe giving him an option for the Euros.
0: Yeah, I mean, two friendlies left, you never know, maybe he'll get creative, um, well, supposedly two friendlies left, we don't know who yet, but, uh, and then striker, the absolute titan of the man, Luke de Jong, three goals in three games. I mean, he's the first man since, since I and Robin to score in three consecutive games for the Netherlands. Um, de Boer is definitely, definitely going to use that to justify his selection. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously it's not as simple as, oh, he got three goals in three games, he's awesome. Uh, um, because... I don't know. He didn't offer a huge amount elsewhere, um, but I don't know. Do you think he's played himself into the into the starting eleven for the Euros now?
1: Probably, which is a scary thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think he might actually. I, well, as I say, I think against like uh, Austria and Ukraine, um, then uh, maybe. De Boer will go we'll stick with Memphis. I don't know. But yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if he just figured, yeah, let's stick with De Jong. He he suits the De Boer's devotion to like getting crosses in and stuff and just finding that getting the luck of the the first ball in, if not have someone there to feed off the of scraps and get the second. And that's sort of summed up a lot of his career lately in, in terms of the way they attack. And so yeah, Dion as uh, a as a perfect fit for that in in that regard because just he'll head absolutely anything <laughs> um, so yeah I think I think he might be he might be the Bulls man for it which is is kind of terrifying
0: <laughs> yeah 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 like you said he does he does really suit this kind of style of play we've got where we you know we use the wingers a lot we get a lot of crosses in I think the only question is whether we should be playing that style of play in the first place um but yeah we're gonna i think regardless now that's kind of the uh, the style that de boer's set it on so yeah i guess it does make sense for him to be in the squad probably start against the smaller teams but there's still about Weghorst, is still he can offer exactly what de jong offers and more so yeah. Um, I don't know. Moving on to that, obviously, De Boer said afterwards that he he said that 90% of his his Euro squad has been selected. Still room for a few changes. Uh, 10%. I don't know how many players that converts to. But um, yeah, I mean, there's Valt Weghorst, obviously. Cody Gakpo looked, um, looked awesome for the under-21s in the last game. Got two goals and an assist. Yeah, they're probably the two most obvious options, maybe with Rick Karsdorp as well, to be to be in with a chance of making the final Euro squad. But I mean, realistically, can you see him making any changes?
1: Nah, I think he's sort of made his his uh, statement with the striker. I think he is just going to stick with De Jong. I don't I don't think vote uh is sadly going to be given a chance. I'd, I'd be surprised. As you say, Cody Cacpo definitely uh, in with a shot. He has been really good, been excellent this season, uh, really blossoming. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he was called on. Carlsdorp's an option. We mentioned last time minors uh, Miners uh, would be, I think, would be a player who could add something to this midfield um, and is one that I... I'm a, I'm a big fan of. I, I would really like to see him given more of a chance. So, yeah, if these are the kind of areas that he needs to be open minded about just to make sure that he's got his bases covered. He's got something that he's got enough that can change the the midfield. He's got some uh, versatility in the full back. So, whether he wants to just have a real strong attacking presence or uh, just sort of a, more of a defensive balance, and uh, and with uh, with Cody Harkpo, yeah, he can he can do uh, he can offer just so much in in that attack as well, and um, and be, I think he would be a pretty good fit. So yeah, I think these are the the main options. These are the ones who are most likely to be considered, but it's hard to say. I think he he's. Really settled on most of the well as he as as I said just settled on most of these players but I don't think the actual starting eleven will change too much from from what we've seen it's just about what we said whether it's the pie or De Jong up front and and uh, how he sets up that mad field with Vainaldem De Jong and class.
0: yeah yeah I think uh, I think the starting eleven we saw against Latvia and Gibraltar is probably his starting 11 now that he'll take to the Euros. Um, well, the Euros, you always need a plan B. I wonder what uh, what Mike van der Hoorn's up to these days, you know?
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh no, my god, that would be terrifying.
0: <laughs>
1: Drawing nothing each and being like, hmm, we're terrible. How can I fix this? Oh, like, just throw Mike van der Hoorn up front. It's just, <laughs> a, just a stroke of genius, man. It's just. Funny.
0: Yeah, we, we did it against Germany when uh, we stuck Van Dijk up front and he got that equaliser. So uh...
1: The team that I support in Scotland, Morton, we were, play- we were bottom of the second tier playing against uh, Celtic in the Cup at Celtic Park. And somehow we managed to take them into extra time. And Neil Lennon just gave up. I think it was Neil Lennon. I can't remember who it was. Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, he just like gave up and stuck Van Dyke up front, and I just laughed for like a, for all of the last minutes and extra time. I was just in tears at just seeing these balls come into Van Dyke again. <laughs> I mean, the fact that Morton players were had the were on the same platform as as Van Dyke, and he had just no luck in, in getting the headers in or even bringing it down or anything it was just hilarious. And we managed to win it uh, by a penalty and put them out. Somehow he managed to keep out Van Dijk, and that will go that will go down as a historic moment for us. <laughs> so if they like Van Dijk up front for any Euros, he'll he'll flashbacks.
0: Uh, it will go. He'll think, oh, this is easier than that, at least. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh, yeah. I mean, last word. I, I think World Cup qualifiers were in not too bad a shape. Obviously, Turkey drew against Latvia, um, and we boosted our goal difference nicely, but. To be honest, I don't, I think it's too soon to be kind of reading into that situation. Um, so, uh, immediate look ahead to the Euros. Ukraine, Austria, and North Macedonia. Um, North Macedonia, who may I add, uh, did beat Germany last night, which is nice to see. <laughs> um, but, how are you feeling ahead of the Euros? Any reason to think we can do something good?
1: I am less optimistic than I was the last time we talked. I am... Uh... Terrified. I'll be honest. With you. <laughs> I am pretty scared uh, because these are these are good teams. These are, these are not uh, like walkovers. It's not as you say. I mean, North Macedonia beat Germany. Scared the hell out of me, um, and uh, because you know, it's just it's something that could easily happen to a Frank uh, the Boer team. Uh, Ukraine and Austria could easily get something against them, so. I have to have enough optimism and belief to to think that they will get through. But, yeah, they they definitely... uh, My confidence is is taking a battering. Hopefully there's um, more more, uh, games to prepare before we actually get down to the Euros because I do not want to go into this... With the these last three games being the last uh, the the first thing that I'm thinking about when I'm thinking about what shape they're in.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, if rumours are to believe, then there's going to be a friendly arranged with uh, with your Scotland before the Euros. So, uh, oh, y- your allegiance is going to be torn for that one.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, if, if that's the case, then I mean, everyone's all, all doomed.
0: <laughs> yeah, I I can hundred percent see. Kieran Tierney absolutely just tearing us a new one. Yeah. On the bright side, if we do have a horrendous Euros, then, um, well, our man Peter Boss is free. He can come in and fix things.
1: Yeah, that would be the, the, the silver lining would be the uh, boss taking over and, and uh, taking the national team to strange new places where there is no such thing as a defence and everything is just attack. Yeah, he would be, he would be ideal. Uh, I mean, it's it's such a it's so crazy that we're already like, thinking about the after
0: the yeah. Well, this is a win-win for us, you know. Either we get a good Euros, happy days, or we get a bad Euros, and maybe we get Peter Boss afterwards, you know. Got to got to keep the faith in something good happening. <laughs> but um, yeah. Well, um, as always, thanks for coming on.
1: No worries, man. It's always always good fun, happy to come on. To get over these terrible, <laughs> terrible debut days, you know, you've just got to talk it out and, and deal with the the uh, horror, the trauma that you've been that's been inflicted on you.
0: Free therapy sessions, isn't it? You know, you got to get it out of there. <laughs> yeah, well, as always, thanks to everyone for listening as well. Um, yeah, if you enjoyed it, then do uh, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Um, and yeah, you can find find Clockwork around you on Twitter at Clockwork around you. Yeah, next episode, I'm not really sure, to be honest. Obviously, we don't really know when the friendlies are going to be. It does look like there's going to be two friendlies, maybe with one against Scotland, played in Portugal for some reason. not too sure why. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, hopefully you can do an episode maybe picking our Euro 2020 squads before De Boer picks his. So, yeah, thanks again, and see you soon.
1: Bye. Bye.